It's a bit like that compressor you can get for your computer program or computer data, and it can compress a whole load of information into just a little tiny bit of space on your hard drive. And, of course, it means that you can put on more and more. Now, in these commandments, God has spoken just a few words. But when you unpack them, well, they just multiply and they come out and, and you realize the, the far-reaching implications of each of these commands. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and we're on the air to bring you the message of God's Word again today. We have a hymn, Ancient of Days, and then we move to the pulpit ministry of our church on the Ninth Commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness, telling a lie. Oh, how that condemns us all. And, of course, we, we need the grace of God, the salvation of God, because the law is a mirror that shows up the sin of our lives, and we need to recognize our need of cleansing which reveals our need of a Savior, and we need to go to the cross, to the Lord Jesus, for cleansing from our sins. We begin with a few thoughts here today on Romans chapter 2. Let me read you just a few verses. Firstly, chapter 2, verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Behold, Thou art a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, Dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Now the whole matter here, of course, is Paul is saying that his gospel is a gospel where God reveals righteousness, where God does that which is right. And Paul did not leave out the day of God's judgment for all men, Jews and Gentiles, when he presented the way of salvation by a provided righteousness. Rather, it answers how a sinner shall stand on that judgment day and be declared righteous. And so he brings into it the day of judgment. Now, is there any doubt in verse 17 
that Paul is addressing Jews in this section of the book of Romans. Well, he says, Behold, thou art called a Jew. And, and he is using that term deliberately. Thou art called a Jew. But in reality, you're not living like a child of God. You're not living a new life. And he goes right down the line and he says, You know the law, you know the standards, but do you steal? Do you bear false witness? Do you commit adultery? And of course the Jews were guilty of each and every one of those things. And so, uh, what is it meant here by the resting in the law? The Jew had no doubt the privilege of being in a nation that was given the law of God for many, many generations. And they were privileged with knowing right from wrong. But that doesn't mean that they were living right. And this is always a danger when people come into Christianity. Uh, there are good traditions, good standards, moral values, the Ten Commandments. But it's not just traditions that we are concerned with. It is living for God in the newness of life, in the power of the gospel. And of course, that's the miracle of salvation by which we are set free from all the links to sin and we are enabled by grace to live for God in spirit and truth. Well, enough today on the book of Romans. We're going to move now to our hymn, Ancient of Days. This commandment today, the ninth commandment, is the one we're looking at. And Exodus 20, 16, it's just a few words. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. These commandments are what we could call compressed statements. It's a bit like that compressor you can get for your computer program or computer data and it can compress a whole load of information into just a little tiny bit of space on your hard drive. And, of course, it means that you can put on more and more. Now, in these commandments, God has spoken just a few words. But when you unpack them, well, they just multiply and they come out and, and you realize the, the far-reaching implications of each of these commands. Our larger catechism gives a very long list of the things that this commandment requires. Let me just take a moment to read to you this. Now, there's a second list I won't get to, and that is the list of what this commandment forbids. This is just the list of the things that's required to keep the ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. The duties required in the ninth commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man, and the good name of our neighbor as well as our own, 
appearing and standing for the truth, and from the heart, sincerely, freely, clearly, and fully speaking the truth, and only the truth, in matters of judgment and justice, and in all other things whatsoever. A charitable esteem of our neighbors, loving, desiring, and rejoicing in their good name, sorrowing for and covering of their infirmities, freely acknowledging of their gifts and graces, defending their innocency, a ready receiving of a good report, and unwillingness to admit of an evil report, concerning them, discouraging tale-bearers, flatterers, and slanderers, love and care of our own good name, and defending it when need requireth, keeping of lawful promises, studying and practicing of whatsoever things are true, honest, lovely, and of good report. Quite a list. The duties that are required in keeping the ninth commandment, and all that God said in these economy of words, that thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. If you were to read the Canadian criminal code about testifying as a witness, you would read reams and reams of what it is required of you to be a faithful witness. The bottom line is that God cannot keep company or bless liars. Those who oppose the truth, those who twist the truth, and indeed he has said in Revelation 21.8 that all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. There is no possibility of fellowship, friendship, or living with God if you are given to speak lies, because God loves the truth. Indeed, we have to point out that God is the truth. And as I said recently, you would have to kill God to deny the truth. You have to get rid of God if you're going to be able to speak lies without breaking God's moral law. Another way of putting it is that facts are stubborn things. They don't go away. The truth is there before your eyes, and you have to deal with it. Lying and bearing false witness is really the product of man's fallen, sinful nature. And what a tragedy that God even has to put this in one of the commandments, that thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not misreport or malign or slander your fellow man. Why, why did God even put that in? Because, well, this world, because of the fall, is a place of lies. It was a lie from Satan that made Adam and Eve sin against God. When Satan said to Adam and Eve, you take this forbidden fruit and you'll become as gods, that was a lie. And they went for it, and upon a lie they fell into the curse. And one of the marks of the fallen world is men are liars. Paul the Apostle warned Titus when he was going there as the minister to the people of Crete. And he says in the book of Titus, the Cretans are always liars. Now, sadly, that comment can be made of just about any nation in the world. It would apply to Canadians, but apply to Americans. It would apply to Irish, I better include myself here. 
although I call myself a Canadian. I have a Canadian passport. I'm a Canadian. Um, Englishmen, Frenchmen, Germans, Russian, Chinese, Japanese, all men by sinful nature, sadly, sadly, are liars. The prophet Isaiah, speaking of his own people, Isaiah 59 said that, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the streets. That, that means a whole breakdown of society because men cannot be trusted. They are more given to tell lies than to stand for the truth. And therefore, lies, slander, and falsehoods, or any messing with the truth, is a great evil in the sight of God. And usually, it's a sin of the tongue. One has said that a serpent spews its poison with its teal, but man spews his poison of lies with his tongue. You read the book of James, the apostle wrote extensively on the problem of the tongue. It is a fire. It has the potential of great good, but also great evil. Therewith bless we God, and therewith curse we men with this thing here, the tongue. And when this tongue is given to lies, well, it is a great evil in the sight of God. To function as a society, men must love the truth. And this commandment was given to God's people Israel. They were coming out of the bondage of Egypt. They were coming now into their own society as Israel, God's people, God's nation. And it was to be based upon truth. And God forbade that they should have any other system but that which is trustworthy. The essential to a God-glorifying life is to love the truth, because God loves the truth. Would you want to marry a liar? Would you want to spend the rest of your life with someone that you couldn't trust, can't believe a word he or she says? How can a marriage function unless it is based upon truth? Would you enter into a business arrangement or some kind of agreement when you know it's all lies, when the agreement is not even worth the paper that it's written on? How can you do business on the terms when truth is thrown out? Would you join a church that is not endeavoring by all its power to stand for truth? If the church surrendered to the lie of the world and the false message of the world and humanism or all the new isms of the day, could you go to that place and worship with all your heart? No. This is the reason why we are separated unto the gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one way of salvation. But unfortunately, we live in a world where there are even false prophets. We read in Jeremiah that the prophets prophesy lies in the Lord's name. What a problem that is. And it's a problem that's with us to this day. False religion is a lie. It denies the true God. It denies what God has said. It denies what God has promised. And it denies what God has warned of. And so as a church, we need a ministry that is based on truth. The Apostle John said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but 
try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And that was within decades after the death of the Lord and the establishment of the New Testament church. False prophets in the first century. They were Gnostics, denying that Jesus ever came in the flesh. Heretics, those that came with false doctrines of many kind. Now, today I'm not going to give you a list of all the evils and all the ways by which men lie. I'm not going to give you a manual on all the ways that people can bear false witness by deceit and stretching the truth. The main thing is that we be lovers of the truth. You see, this is not only what God forbids, but what God requires. I'm not going to so much deal with what is forbidden in the ninth commandment as deal with what it requires. And we will spend our time looking at those things that are absolutely essential if you say that you love the truth and you keep God's commandments. The main thing is that we should love the truth. Charity rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. So I want to give you five ways that we must work for the truth. And that's what the Christian life is all about. Your Christian life is hollow and meaningless if it is not based on truth and if it's not leading you further into truth. If you're not building on the truth, how can you call yourself a Christian? I think that you you would be very uh, offended if someone pointed out, you're not following the truth. You would say, oh, that's something that I must do. That's something I have to do. And so I want us to look at these five ways that we must work for the truth. Firstly, And here is, we're going to take our grandstand on the solid rock on this one by acknowledging that our God is the truth. My, if we don't get that right, we're we're beaten. We're really lost. We can make no progress. If we don't have a God who is the truth, then we have a major problem. Now, let me give you a few texts on this. Firstly, Titus 1-2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Now, there's a God of truth for you. He is such a God of truth that he cannot lie. He cannot deny his own nature because God himself personally is the truth. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. That means everything he has decreed, everything that he has promised, everything that he has warned off, he's going to fulfill. He's a God that you can trust in because he's a God of truth. And so this is the basis of the faithfulness of God. We could sing that hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. But if you were not convinced that God is 100% truthful, that if his word is not absolutely true, and his ways are not true, and his nature is not true, you couldn't even sing that hymn. You couldn't even begin to put your trust in God. Now, we're living in a world where the scientist and the agnostic is saying there is no such thing as fixed truth. There are no absolutes in the world. We are existentialists. We believe that everything just is a, is a fluid, changing, rippling, 
great ocean that takes its own form in its own way. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Well, to do that, you have to deny God, and that's why it's impossible for an atheist uh, to follow the truth. God is truth. He is absolute truth. Now, another thing that the ungodly say, that this world, that uh, God gave His Word, and it's culturally conditioned. Uh, That means when God spoke to Abraham, He dealt with Abram that way. But we're not living in that culture. We're not living in that age. Therefore, it doesn't apply to me. And you take that with Abram, you take it with Moses, you take it with Isaiah, you take it even with Paul, and, and they just throw out the whole Bible because they say it was culturally conditioned. Now, what is true that when God gave us the Bible, it was culturally mediated. And that means that God spoke to real men in real situations, and he gave them his written word. It's absolute, fixed, but it doesn't change with the passing of time. What God said to Abram stands. We read that Abram saw Christ and believed on him, and his Redeemer came in the fullness of time. All the promises to Abram were fulfilled. All the promises to the Old Testament people were fulfilled. The Redeemer came. The Messiah came. When Jesus was in the world, he said, three days and I will raise myself up again. And he did. And the foundation of God standeth sure because he is a God of truth. That's why when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost, they were smitten dead. God cannot abide a lie. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, Proverbs 12, 2. In Psalm 24, 3, it says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. God cannot have fellowship with liars. There can be no fellowship with God with men who lie. And we could not worship today if God was not 100% truthful. And that means we take our stand on His Word. We believe what God has said because God is truthful. God can be believed. And this is the very revelation of God. So this is the first principle of loving the truth. God is truth. You see how foolish it is for men who deny God to say they're following the truth can't do it. You see how modern man follows his own wisdom, and all the way he's following a lie. God is truth. And that's where the Christian starts. That's the starting point for our Christianity. The second thing, we follow and love the truth by confessing that the Lord Jesus is the truth. And this is what makes Christianity so wonderful, so unique. John 14, 6, Jesus said it himself, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No man cometh to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. You know that John, in his writing, he described the Lord Jesus as the Word. He's the living Word. That means he is the revelation of the Father. In the Bible, you have the written Word. In Jesus, you have the living Word, the Logos. And everything that God has to say to men, he says through his Son. Hebrews 1, 2 says that God in these last days has spoken by his 
Son. And the Lord Jesus himself was never guilty of a lie. Every word he uttered, every promise he made, every claim that he made of himself, it was the infallible, inerrant message of God. His promises are watertight. They're good all the way to the bank. Nicodemus said it, thou art a teacher come from God. Paul said it in Acts 4.12, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And there's one mediator between God and men. The woman at the well said, thou art that prophet, that prophet. And when Jesus fed the 5,000, they realized Jesus is that prophet that has come into the world. Now, if you're a lover of truth, you will understand that God is the truth and that the Lord Jesus, sent by the Father, is the true Savior. If you're fighting that, if you're objecting to that, if you're questioning the fact that this man called Jesus could be the only Redeemer, the only Savior of men, if you're on the outside looking in, questioning, observing, but you've never claimed the Lord Jesus as the true Savior of your soul, how can you claim to be working for the truth? Rather, you're resisting it. You're on the outside opposed to the truth. And of course, one day the Lord Jesus will be your judge. He will stand before you, and you will stand before him, and you will give account, and you will, your life will be matched up to the life of the Lord. How will you stand if you've denied him, rejected him, fought against his claims, would not accept his promises, would not bow the knee to him as Lord and Savior? You cannot say you've been working for the truth. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I do thank you for joining with us on the program today. Reverend Ralph Neighbor said, Who can forget the sad farewells, weepingly spoken by fathers, mothers, wives, and sweethearts, as loved ones at railway stations entrained for army camps and the field of battle? Alas, so many of them never returned. Just before a train with hundreds of inductees aboard left a station, one of the inductees, in a clear, full voice, began to sing the quieting, assuring hymn, What have I to dread, what have I to fear, leaning on the everlasting arms? I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. Are not the lives of God's children hid with Christ in God. Is not the encamping angel of the Lord round about them? Are not the unslumbering eyes of God over them? What, then, have we to fear? May the Lord comfort your heart today through His Word. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. 
This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdalefpc.ca, and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning, and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdalefpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdalefpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.